The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Pudging, when you know the rules, you might as well be a rules lawyer. What do you know? We don't all have the luxury of deciding when and where we want to read the core rulebook. Suddenly the campaign is real for you. Some of us live it. I've been listening to the Dark Times podcast since I was six years old. Hello and welcome back to the Dark Times, a saga edition podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite short trooper. And I'm Steven, your favorite insurgent living on the fringe. Ooh, the Ooh. fringe. A little dainty on the fringe out there. Oh, okay. I said fringe, not frills. <laughs> We're back from Thanksgiving, Sam. Yes, we are. It's the dark times. Yeah, welcome back. It's it's going to be back. How was your Thanksgiving? It was all right. Oh, not bad. How was yours? I, yeah, I'd have to say the same. It was a pretty, as far as as far as Thanksgivings go, pretty middle of the lane, pretty bog standard Thanksgiving. Bog standard. I yeah, was turkey. Sure. There was stuffing. Um, I know we have plenty of non-American listeners, so I always imagine what this time of year is like. They're just like, yeah, what? They're like, why the fuck is there a break in my podcast schedule? What the hell? What the fuck? <laughs> We have some feedback. Yeah, we actually have a lot of emails to catch up on. You guys were, were busy these past couple of weeks sending us stuff in. So thank you. And if you don't hear what you sent in this episode, well, just wait one or two more and then you'll hear it. It's we're reading stuff that's like a couple weeks old yeah. at this point. So yeah. just just bear with us. We've got some feedback from the last couple episodes. And since this is about two, three weeks out from our last episode, that's going to be a little weird. We'll make sure to remind everyone what everything's about. I yeah. Say it. Yeah. So episode, what was that? 48 Eight, yeah. was all about adventure modules and us singing the praises of, of it's still under, underutilized, under talked about, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we talked about, Oh God, what was the name of that module? Um, it was the one with the, where there's the gentleman that's on the run and he sends the party on a, basically a wild goose chase. Yes, with different yes. bounty hunters. I can't remember like the name of it right now, but danger or close call or something like there's some weird danger in the dark was one, but that wasn't this oh, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you, you go back dear listener. If, you listen to this it. This is all, feedback relevant to that episode. Yeah. First bit of feedbacks from Bashington. This came to us via discord. Draba the hut is so on the nose for Jabba and Zen. Hey, that's me. Says the module is cyberpunk themed, so I'm wondering if Paul Verten isn't a big old nod towards director Paul Verhoeven of Total Recall, Starship Troopers, and RoboCop fame. That's interesting. It is interesting, and I wanted to look into this more and see if like that was an intentional thing, and it turns out there's no really no information on that, but I think it's true. This was, as you know, this was the guy who directed Total Recall, Starship Troopers, and RoboCop fame. Absolutely. He, he loves... I can adapting. see this being abs- like it's gotta genuine. Be. It's yeah. got to be the Draba the Hut shit. That's some shit I do at my table. I just like I need to name a <laughs> scoundrel. I'm like, oh, Ton Bolo. <laughs> I was gonna say Bandvolo. Bandvolo. That's, that's a, a pretty good name, actually. That's a, yeah, that's a, see, it's not hard with Star Wars, you know. Well, we had some feedback from Little Literalist last week as well. Yeah. Uh, this came from Reddit as well. This was part of his lovely little bulleted list. I just plucked a couple of bullets off the off the the off the bullet grape, tree, off the bullet tree, <laughs> off the grapevine there, and put them on here. This was about our previous episode. It's eleven minutes in, and I'm just beginning to figure out what the episode is about. But I'm not sure where this is going. I feel like a bit of setup for Sam's story would be good. Like this is a story about this RPG principle. Going from talking about how your weeks are going straight into the story seemed like it was a ramble that just turned into your episode. 
This episode seemed pretty unfocused. I know that a lot of episodes have sidetracks, but this one didn't seem like it had a main track to depart from. If you're running out of ideas to talk about, you could possibly do some deeper dives. You'll often talk about a concept and then go over everything related to that, but you could also choose a super narrow idea, like one species or feet, and talk about all the different ways you could use it and how it compares to others, etc. Little Literalist, thank you very much for your feedback. It was definitely a different format from how we usually do it. Yeah, that was kind of the more casual... We're famous podcasters. They'd be happy just to <laughs> listen to us talk about a story. They can glean. Well, you think after 48 episodes, I know how to fucking do one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Lil Literalist, thank you for your feedback. We kind of knew that we were taking a different approach to that episode, and it seems to have landed with some and maybe not as strongly with others, but uh, we're, we're definitely incorporating your thoughts into. Speaking of landing with some. Yes. We heard from Nick, the de- flesh devourer, who every time you read it, you laugh because <laughs> well, it's because I, I christened him Nick, the flesh devourer, <laughs> and he ran with it. Um, dear Sam and Steven, just wanted to write in and say thanks for letting me geek out about my favorite alternative force tradition this week. It was fun making a build to represent a member of the Matukai. That was the build we featured last episode. Yeah. Well, the episode before last episode. That's right. The no, episode. sorry. Two episodes before that. 47. You're right. You're right. God damn it. <laughs> two weeks out and we're just fucking all over the place. That was now. a cool build, though. I think I still think about that build. Oh, yeah. I hope you do another episode on Turn to the Force Tradition soon. They're really interesting. And I even learned about some I never heard of before. See Wardens of the Sky. As well, I think I got some wires crossed when I was building him. I totally would have picked Empowered Weapon over a Tuned Weapon for that sweet 3d6 damage. That's kind of what I thought, too. It, 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 you're, you're all good, Nick. The flesh His Apprentice only took a Tuned Weapon yeah. instead of Empowered Weapon. Yeah, That's yeah, why. yeah. I also wanted to write in and say that it's awesome to hear Sam's story about DMing for some kids. I think anyone and everyone should GM for kids at least once in their life. If you haven't been baffled by a kid's decision to do something weird within character and have to improv around that, have you really GM'd? As well, I think it's important to foster the next generation of role players. And what better way to do that than by creating fun memories that they'll carry with them as they grow up? Keep up the great work. I'm looking forward to next week's episode, Nick the Flesh Devourer. Well, thank you, Nick. I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I for one, I was a big fan of Sam's story just because it was funny hearing about all the wacky shit those kids got mixed in with. And, you know, your line about... um having to role play and improv around some ludicrous childlike decision. You don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to GM with children strictly to, to get that. I've definitely been put in a few situations. I had one player who, um, I was still learning how to set boundaries as a game master and, and so scared of where the story's going. Oh, there's go plenty ahead. of stories with this group, but this particular player who ended up being a much bigger problem later on, big shock. Decided to have, God, what was the, there's a droid accessory that lets you shoot out little magnets. Oh, uh, like the R2-D2, like a little grappling like yeah, thing. Yeah, a little grappling thing, and it, it can be electrocuted or something like that. He insisted that they be put on his droid's nipples. He was playing a, <laughs> a, a, a C-3PO unit and insisted that they go on his nipples. Yeah. And then he shot, I think it was the grappling hook, yeah. And he, he shoots his grappling hook nipples at the ceiling and then dangles there. And like, that's just what he wants to do in a moment. They're like getting the next mission. And he's just over on the side, like <laughs> dangling, from, like his dangling from via his, his magnetic nipple clamps from the ceiling. Yeah. That was really, that's the whole story. But that, that was just, that was a time where I was baffled by, by a player's decision and they weren't strictly a child. They don't have to be murder hobos. And sometimes they can just be hobos. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Well, Nick, uh, we've heard you and we've heard others, and I, I had lots of fun with our Force Tradition episode. Well, shit, it's last been a month. Time. Yeah, it's been a month. So 
uh, let's let's go over a few more force traditions because it's it's cool and they're fun. Pick some good ones this time, Steve. Thank you, thank you. I, I actually I meant to go for three totally different ones, but then when I saw the list online, I was like, oh, I, oh, oh, we got these, we got those. Let's <laughs> a little supermarket sweep over here. Yeah, just, just shovel them into your cart. So the shapers of Crovar. Um, I'll read bits from the book about them, the, summarizing their history, their philosophy, stuff like that, and then I'll go into just a small tangent about how I incorporated them in in a one to twenty campaign years and years ago. The shapers of the Crovar. Here we go from the Jedi Academy training manual. Some force traditions view the force as a form of magic or power that comes from deities. The shapers of Crovar represent one such group, channeling the force into showy displays of power that are keyed to the four classic elements of nature, air, earth, fire, and water. Master shapers can evoke huge windstorms, earthquakes, or bursts of flame to destroy their enemies. Although primitive and superstitious, the shapers of Crovar are dangerous opponents who wield the force like a blunt weapon. The Shapers of Crovar hail from the planet of the same name. They put it in parentheses for us here, Crovar, just in case you already forgot. <laughs> <laughs> located deep within the unknown regions. You know some shit's good if it's located deep within the unknown regions. There's so much good shit deep in the unknown regions. They originate at a point in history a thousand years before the Battle of Yavin, when a damaged cruiser filled with refugees from the battles that ravaged the planet Rusan emerges from hyperspace at the wrong coordinates and crash lands on Crovar. Shapers are highly superstitious and suspicious of Force users who use invisible powers like telepathy, Force thrust, and the like. Although these attitudes are slowly changing, Shapers are more likely to challenge a Jedi to a duel than to engage in diplomacy. Jedi who study the Shapers of Crovar have noticed that there are far fewer instances of intangible manifestations of a Shaper's power, mainly because on Crovar, people who possess these kinds of powers are persecuted as warlocks and witches. So yeah, you got your kind of your avatar, the last airbender, elementalist yeah. uh, fighter here. Pretty, pretty cool. Uh, so the Shapers of Crovar, you may remember, I did bring on, I don't think the planet was called Crovar. Maybe it was. But in our campaign, when we went into the Unknown Regions, you guys found a planet full of, of Shapers of Crovar. My favorite thing to do at that time in that campaign was to take pre-existing Force traditions and just remix them a little bit, kind of give them a good pat down, good good rub over, you know, and just kind of a little uh, Febreze <laughs> to bring them into, into... You like the, to take them outside and beat them with a stick. Yeah, and get all yeah, the dust yeah, out. just get the dust off. And, you know, it, it, it was cool to kind of just remix, rethink these these traditions. and in ways that fit the campaign we were running. And um, I kind of did like a Polynesian like thing with yeah. them. They're like Maori warriors. I, I drew a lot of, did a lot of research, drew a lot of inspiration from them and it was fun. Um, it, it was really cool. I think actually a player, a player character died on that planet yes. confronting. We've talked about him before. Hitch Beltane. Yeah. Hinch Beltane. Hinch Beltane. Hinch Beltane. Uh, yeah. You say it like it stinks in your mouth when you say it, you know? Hubri, Hubri died at his hand in a volcano. Our Zabrax scoundrel Jedi soldier really all of them <laughs> <laughs> yes we lost hubri and we gained what was the character's name tethys tethys t-e-t-h-y-s tethys was was one of the four champions that the the party had to fight and overcome to to gain the tribe's favor and cooperation really really cool the the book goes on more about how again just like last time folks there's like probably more information than you want about all of these four traditions in the book like they they go into great detail into the history, philosophy, fighting styles. They stuff had to like fill that. a whole training manual. <laughs> <laughs> they did. And it even describes how most shapers 
actually form different clans based around one element, but it's the masters who can wield all four elements. There's like, Oh, the, the shapers from hot Valley mostly do fire attacks. And Oh, the ones from wet mountain. Well, you better watch out. They're coming at you with water attacks. So it's like, it's basically <laughs> the worst water park I've ever been to. <laughs> wet yeah. mountain. Come on down to wet mountain. There's, um, I don't recall there being a lot of force powers that really work well with the shapers of Crovar. There isn't. And I think there might even be a tidbit somewhere in their section that says like, Hey, don't forget you can reflavor force powers and no one can stop you. I mean, I do believe you reflavored a force slam here and there. I did. I I remember I, I, I plucked out like those champions were like four, force users from DMF's guide mm-hmm. that I just reflay and sprinkled in some Crowbar talents and then reflavored all of their force powers as like elemental based and like stuff like plant surge is probably a good fit too. If you don't have NPCs from scratch, DMF's work just fine <laughs> <laughs> for real. But yeah, and that's, and, and it was cool. It was like kind of a free for all little arena fight. It was, it was a good time. It um, was very fun. We've got some Crowbar talents to highlight here. I, I selected some, including a, a personal favorite of mine by its name alone, because it's fucking hilarious. But well, you'll, you'll know which one that is. We have Earth Buckle. Oh, and by the way, to be a shaper of Crowbar, you must be from Crowbar, which apparently isn't that out of the ordinary. Apparently, these guys get off world all the time. Or you must train under a master of Crowbar. And masters of Crowbar must be from Crowbar. But, you know, that's all good. So... Keep that in mind if you want to build a shaper of Crovar. Crovars, I think, if you're from Crovar, I think you're like a near human. Yeah. I don't think there's like a Crovar speed. But also, it's like, it's a game. So do yeah, whatever. It's, it's a game. <laughs> so, you know, just. You could be a Rodian adopted by Crovar or something like that. You know, it's the. Well, they're going to kill the first crash landed baby <laughs> Superman style. Like, no, they're not. First talent we're covering is Earth Buckle. Expensive, but cool. You can spend a force point as a swift action to create a three by three area of difficult terrain centered on you. You may ignore penalties for moving on difficult terrain that you create using this talent. Keep in mind, it says you can doesn't mean your buddies can't and your enemies certainly cannot either. I like abilities that just make you create difficult terrain wholesale. There aren't very many of them. Cool. Um, This is usually reserved for like the Pathfinder prestige class. Oh, making difficult, making difficult. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. So so. it's cool that here it is as a force point. You can just, Get that out for swift action too. That's really economical. And you got to keep in mind with these force tradition talents as we talk about them. These are things you can take level one with force sensitivity, which yes. is really cool. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. All of these force uh, tradition talents can be accessible level one with several exceptions because there's sometimes feet prerequisites. But you're right. That's one of the reasons why I love that Swissy can make such interesting first level characters because you can have a guy from a crazy cool like cult from a distant star as your level one character (laughs) dude from the avatar planet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Dude from avatar, the last airbender world, like come on. And there's fluidity. This is another favorite of mine because I love any talent or feat that just lets you replace a check with use the force. You can use your, use the force check modifier in place of your acrobatics check modifier when making acrobatics checks. Oh, okay. So it's not rolling UTF instead. It's using the modifier and which happens sometimes. That's better. I feel like it is. Oh, except unless, unless you have a reroll and use the force, which is you wouldn't be able to use it because you're using the modifier, not the actual skill. If you had any use the force rerolls, you would not be able to, but if you had acrobatics rerolls, it would work here. So, you know, whatever. 
If you're entitled to an acrobatics check reroll, you may reroll your use the force check instead, subject to the same circumstances and limitations. Additionally, when you attempt a grapple or attempt to break free of a grapple, you can spend a force point to be treated as if it were one size category larger. As if you were one size category larger. Yes. Huh? So harder wow. to es- harder to keep you in place, harder to escape from your powerful grasp. The, the crowbar grabber. The crowbar <laughs> grabber. So yeah, I mean, if you wanted to bring a little elemental magic into your grappler, this would be a pretty good way to do it. I'm not sure of any other, I'm, I'm definitely going to be proven wrong here, but I'm not sure of any other talent that does quite this. I don't know about modifying acrobatics with, with force prowess when it comes to grappling specifically. Not that I can think of. Not off the top of my head, but if you know it, send it our way. And then there's thunderclap. Has a prerequisite of bantha rush and force training. When you use a force power that deals damage, which, uh, whoo, that's, that's a lot of them. You can use the bantha rush feet against the target as though you had made a melee attack. Pretty sweet. What is the bantha rush feat for those unfamiliar? I'm pulling it up right here. It's a classic core rule book feat that is meant to make melee bruisers especially cool. But adding that onto force powers just sounds pure fun. Bantha rush has a prerequisite. Strength 13, base attack bonus plus one. Effect, after making a successful melee attack against an opponent up to one size category larger than you, you can choose to move that opponent one square in any direction as a free action. You can't bantha rush an opponent that's being grabbed or grappled. You can't bantha rush your opponent into a solid object or another creature's fighting space. That's usually, that's that's pretty usual for force movement and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you add a nice little shove to your force power. Why not? So even like distance-based force powers like if i do like a like a slam that hits an area yep i can move everyone in that if area it deals damage that's the only prerequisite wow uh, move cool. object kind of interesting to add just another little eh, little nudge on on that <laughs> movement yeah very cool uh what i love about the crowbar talent tree and there's a couple others that you should go look at dear listener because they're cool and they're worthwhile they do a great job of augmenting pre-existing force powers. They don't really try to do anything novel, which is great because in Swissy, dear God, if only they had tried to be a little less novel with some of this stuff, but it's really cool because you can just cook up your normal force adept and then just toss in a heaping seasoning of shaper of Crovar and you've got a unique dish ready to go. It's with these, all these talent trees that have like five to eight talents. Yeah. A streamlined version of saga edition would have like three per tree. You yes. Know? Yes. And also gambler wouldn't make the cut. I'm just saying. <laughs> I often fantasize about like what the streamlined saga edition two talent trees would look like. And I always <laughs> think they would probably look like a uh, pathfinder two E's archetypes. Yeah. Cause those are basically talent trees. Basically they are. Yeah. yeah. I like them a lot. They're so cool. Here we are. Iron Knights. One of my personal favorites. Cause I mean, well, you'll see in a sec, dear list. We've talked about them before. We, we've talked about them before. There's I, no I, way you know. If you don't know what the Iron Knights are, what if a droid could use the Force? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what if What if the most basic assumption behind the Force, that only living beings can manipulate it, was circumvented in a cheeky, pulp sci-fi sort of way that barely makes sense? Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Silicon-based life forms. <laughs> Get fucked. So fucking funny. Oh, we I love, love them. We love, love Iron them. Knights, though. They're, they're literally so cool. The Iron Knights are force-sensitive shards, crystalline life forms discovered by the Jedi Master Aquinos roughly 50 years before the Battle of Yavin. They played a role in the Arcanian Revolution before being excommunicated along with their master. 
The Jedi Master Aquinos was like, oh my God, living rocks that can use the force. I'm going to teach them the ways of the living force and the Jedi. The Jedi Council is going to love this one. <laughs> Guess what? That mere act got him kicked out, even though they apparently played some important role in a minor conflict. The Arcanians. So, you taught rocks? Yeah. <laughs> How to lift other rocks? So this was 50 years before the Battle of Yavin, which means Yoda was on the Jedi Council. Fucking stupid that was. <laughs> what What if he like, what if it was like, you know, like the, the dancing, talking, singing frog. Yeah. Looney Tunes. What if it was that situation where he brings these rocks to the council and he's like, no, they use the force. Trust me. And the rocks just fucking sat there. And didn't do anything. I glow a little bit. Yeah. And, they, and then everyone turns around and they build a droid. Many shards voluntarily inhabit droid bodies that allow them to walk among and communicate with us fleshies. Again, please read up more on the Iron Knights. They communicate through pulses of light or like electromagnetic radiation or something like that. Or sometimes telepathy. Or sometimes telepathy. They, um, it, it says it takes them days to hold a conversation, years to reach uh, consensus on a decision. Their, their whole method of rule is based on total consensus, but they're all rocks. <laughs> So they just sit there philosophizing and debating really great, like peak stupid sci-fi. I just, I'm a big, big fan. They have fun talents as well. They, they, I'm playing a shard. Let me, before we get into talents, actually just a little cautionary tale here. Don't let someone's first Swissy character be an iron knight. I made this mistake and actually that same group I was just talking about. So a, a player dear to me, was very excited about the idea of the Iron Knights because who wouldn't be, but they're very new to the system. And your first level, first time Swissy player can easily tackle playing a Jedi. What if we took two of the chunkiest parts of the game and, and made one character that uses both of them? That's Sam beat me to it. That's what I'm getting at here is that <laughs> a level one new brand new player to Swissy can probably do a droid. Maybe we don't recommend that either. Can probably do a Jedi. They definitely can't juggle the droid subsystem and the force using subsystem at the same time, especially with all the caveats in placed upon shards. Yes. Because shards can use droid systems, but not all droid accessories are droid systems and stuff like that. Well, they can't they can only even use a limited list of droid accessories even. And then how those interplay with force powers, they don't really is confusing for players. There's no real synergy, which makes sense for a droid Force user. It's easier, I guess, if you think about it as the droid body being like armor. Yes. For the shard. Rather yes. than being the shard itself. Yes. And there, there's, you can find discussion online of players like asking on Reddit and stuff like, where does the droid begin and the shard end? And am I, what if I take my shard out of the droid body for, for God's sake, <laughs> for, for God's sake, please just consider the shard and the droid body as one entity. Yeah. Consider them inseparable until you really need to. Cause then I, I hear people talk about like, Oh yeah. So when you're just in your shard mode, only account your, your, your mental attributes, the you don't wisdom get a strength score. Yeah. Yeah. Your wisdom charisma. It's like, don't, don't even go there. Just it, Apply basic logic <laughs> and apply the rule of cool. 
And only do it if it matters to the plot. It's the rule of cool speed of plot. I'll bring it up again. The rule of cool speed of plot, Stephen. Oh, man. It's one of the, like, <laughs> listen, if that is an advanced GMing maneuver to pull the shroud, like, just to do a full fucking Temple of Doom, Kalima, like, rip the shard <laughs> out of the droid body. Because I love the idea of a shard just sitting there and then fucking move objects, like, into your fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, as we know, the system's already held together with toothpicks and glue. It's not a good idea. And love. And love. (laughs) And love. Lots of love. It's not a good idea to push it any further than it needs to go. And Iron Knights are definitely in the category of pushing it. Uh, That being said, very fun, very unique way to play Swissy. There really isn't another species choice quite like a shard, specifically an Iron Knight. But yeah, they've got some really excellent talents. Mask presence. As a swift action, you become immune to the sense force application of the use the force skill and appear to be nothing more than a regular droid in the force. If you make a use the force check or use any force power or force talent, this effect immediately ends. The a great way to play an Iron Knight is the just a droid angle. Yeah. That player who played an Iron Knight, she did struggle, but she actually hid her force abilities from the party for a good long while. We just told her that she's just a droid, you know, a few levels in scout or whatever, you know, like it's noble, like, but then we got this really cool. um, I think I, they might be allowed on the droid accessory list for iron for shards, but I'm not sure, but we got her some concealed compartments uh, for, for her, her droid body. And the reveal was so cool when she finally pulled a lightsaber out of her chassis and held it like a Jedi. It was, it was a really good moment. Strongly oh. recommend if, if you got a shard in your party. That's one of those things where I can see the pulpy EU like cover art for the book, you know? Yep, yep, yep. She was just a normal like um, she wanted to look just like that um, protocol droid we see on Bespin, the silver plated yeah, uh, t- protocol droid. Uh, not TC-14. It might be. No, TC-14 is the prequel one. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. But that that's who she looked like and, you know, pulling out a, a beautiful blue lightsaber. And, and it was, they had some, they're fighting a dragon or something. Or like, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it was a desperate moment. She pulled it out. And everyone's like, whoa, whoa. Oh, my God. Because they were emo that they really wanted the Jedi in the party. And like it. <laughs> it's great, though. It, it was so it was, good. It was a good moment. It was really cool. Droid Duelist. This is another favorite of mine. Whenever you're wielding a lightsaber, you can spend a force point. Uh, as a swift action to cause an opponent to be flat footed against your next attack made with a lightsaber before the end of your turn. There's lots of stuff that can proc off of this that. is so good. Yes. I need yes. you to understand Steven that there are not a lot of other things that let you just make someone flat footed for no reason. Not easy. And as you know, there's lots of talents and feats that build off of a target being flat footed. Gosh, I can't remember the big one right now. It's not deadly aim. It's, um, it's some some CT killing thing. That yeah, yeah. This is a this is a good shortcut into some CT killing biznaz. Basically, is what we're getting at here. And I'll just bing spend that force point. You ain't spending them anyway. I know how y'all play. <laughs> <laughs> I I see people play Swissy. Y'all aren't spending force points. By the way, update on daily force points in zero distance is going very well. Oh yeah, I love it. I'm not changing. I was gonna pull the players on it. I'm not. No, it's great. I, I'm keeping it. You it's have to keep rules. it. It's yeah. good. Yeah, it's real good. Plus, we're too. It's too far in the campaign. I've already lost it. characters because of it. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna pull. You're gonna put the net up after we've had a fucking trapeze accident. That's like the that's thing. bullshit. That's, that's like the thing with Atorn's death. I was like, well, now I'm not getting rid of it because you you can't. There, yeah, that has to be there. That yeah. fear of death is <laughs> like so close to us now. And also, like when you spend a, a point to like add to a check, it's like. Like, oh, you better fucking fuck. make it. That it's check. like putting your blood into that <laughs> check. Like, 
You might die later because of this check you made to see if you can make a piece of cake look nice. <laughs> we did have that last session. We did have that. And uh, force repair. This one is like necessary because we could get into it, but we won't. You'll see it immediately upon reading up more on Iron Knights. Healing is complicated for them. They need to be repaired because like a droid. Yeah. They can't get hit points from resting or from natural healing. But force repair helps bridge that gap quite a bit. Repair already sucks for droids anyway. Exactly. (laughs) You can use the force trance application of the use the force skill to recover hit points through natural healing. You can also receive hit points from the vital transfer force power. Whenever you receive bonus hit points from any source, you gain additional bonus hit points equal to your charisma modifier minimum plus one. So that's cool. <laughs> now, I mean, now, now you can do it. Now, now you you're on it. even yeah. playing field with everyone else yep, in the yep. party. Spent a talent. Now you can heal just like everyone else. Way to go. No, but if you happen to be a Iron Knight in a party with a nice techie that, that's focused on repairing, then you're, you're scot-free. But if you don't have that techie, things get weird. Listen, Iron Knight or droid tank. With the scoundrel who's got the trained and mechanics, hour to heal up a quarter of your hit points or more, you know, like yeah. just don't even think about it. It's good. It's real good. That's good. But then, you know, if you don't have a mechanics person in your party and you don't have an NPC who can do it for you, it's like, oh, I got to do it myself. Minus five. Oh, I rolled. I'm immune for the day. You know, yeah. it's like treat injury, but worse. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're right. Uh, being being a, a shard. Hell, I remember that player was like. When I explained the very specific circumstances in which she can gain hit points, she was like, really? <laughs> she was like, wait, really? So they can just pop a med pack. But like me, I have like I need an hour of intricate uh, mechanics. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, man. Steven. Yes. Our third and final force tradition today are the Sayuki Dervishes. Yeah, um, it was really cool because these were definitely inspired by real world dervishes, which yeah. are a lot different from this. We'll go over it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. For the Sayuki dervishes, we got red robed, white masked, unarmed assassins. Pretty cool. Force sensitive assassins, mind you. Yeah. Do I even need to say more? No, like, that's, that's pretty fucking, fucking cool. cool. <laughs> I have the, like the image in my head is, is clear as day. It's cool. Whereas the Sky Wardens were like the hyperspace cowboys oh. of Star Wars. These are like the Assassin's Creed, like, except my hidden blade is the force. What like, if this is ooh, great? What if a, a Siugi Dervish fought a Warden of the Sky? This is that's a, that's a Hong Kong film waiting to happen <laughs> for real. <laughs> the word Dervish has an interesting history, and I can see the influence in the Siugi Dervishes from its real life counterpart. A Dervish, according to Google, is a defined as a member of the Sufi religious order who has taken a vow of poverty and austerity. The real-life dervishes are noted for their wild or ecstatic rituals and are known as dancing, whirling, or howling dervishes according to the practices of their order. Interestingly enough, Saga Edition has taken clear inspiration from this as visible in the Sayugi Dervish talent tree. Oh, yeah. And Stephen, Jedi Academy training manual has some choice words about the Sayuki dervishes. Oh, yeah. You were talking with me about this a little bit earlier. Did you want to share? Um, so since they're assassins. OK, yeah. Assassins. Uh, assassins can be bad. That's fine. Yeah. The book is like, oh, since they uh, they 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 kidnap infants and raise them in their order. And then they're assassins. Also, that means they're dark side. Hmm. And I was like, oh, well. 
this is the Jedi Academy training manual, but this is very, uh, I feel like the double standard here on kidnapping children and detecting some of that Jedi bias. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that's like, okay. Oh, kidnapping children is why they're evil. All right. Sure. I'm sure Count Dooku wouldn't find them would, would be, would be fine with them. You know, I don't think he's got a problem. I mean, maybe. You know, it depends on who they're assassinating, right? Like you this, can, this would be the total the type totally the type of guy he would hire. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He this would, would have been can you imagine seeing one of these in the prequels? That uh, would have been so cool. Amazing. Oh my god. Oh, here's some art of one. Let me see it. So fucking yeah. cool. Why are they what? why are they so fucking cool? He's <laughs> got a gun too. I don't even know. Or is is that a gun? Yeah, it's this can't go in the show because that's not official art. So it is. It's from, oh, it is? It's from Wikipedia. Oh shit, put it in the fucking Discord below. Yeah, I'll, I'll send this to you. I also did not think this looked like uh, official art, but it totally is. I, I was like, that's no way that's official. It's yeah. too cool. <laughs> Where's this from even? From the book? Might Gotta be. be. I think they are. They might be original to Jedi Academy Training Manual. I may be wrong. Uh, oh, they actually were first mentioned in. Oh, yeah, yeah. These, these are an RPG exclusive certified. Nice. So that's, that's really cool. Look at this picture to you. But can you imagine instead of uh, what is the bounty hunter's name in Attack of the Clones? The Claudite. Oh, Zam. Instead of Zam Wessel. Oh, hey, big Zam. Listen, Zam Wessel's cool. That's what Yeah, she's awesome, but like. A fucking. She's not a dervish. A red-robed, white-masked assassin. Like. The spinning and dancing. Using and- the force to attack with punches and Obi-Wan and Anakin are like, oh, fuck. Whoa, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, what? what? <laughs> How do we approach, master? Yeah. <laughs> I'll try spinning. I'll Sorry. Try sp- that's have to. <laughs> Speaking of spinning, the Sayugi Dervish talent tree. Sayugi Cyclone, which is the two coolest words I'm going to say today. If you are wielding no weapons other than combat gloves, a stunning gauntlet, or shock boxing gloves, you can use the whirlwind attack feat as a standard action by spending a force point, even if you do not possess the whirlwind attack feat. Additionally, this talent satisfies the prerequisite for the whirlwind attack feat. Which, by the way, whirlwind attack has some steep deep prerequisites. You want to go ahead and read it, Steven? Yes, absolutely. The prereqs and the actual uh, uh, feat, which is incredible. That's right. Those of you uninitiated, this is a whirlwind attack talent tree, which hallelujah. So insane. People have been drooling over this feat since its introduction in AD&D, and here we are with the Suyugi Dervishes. (laughs) Guys that kick your ass exclusively this way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Prerequisites for whirlwind attack. Dex 13. Intelligence 13, melee defense, base attack bonus plus four. So you can have that laundry list of bullshit. But now, Steven. Oh, that's the prerequisites, right? Yes. Now, what does the actual feed do? As a full round action, you can make an area attack with your melee weapon, striking every target within your reach. This whirlwind attack uses the area attack rules. You make one attack roll and apply the result to every target in range. This is incredible. Yes. Yes, it is. Because one of those prereqs was base stack bonus of plus four. Yes. Now for the non Sayugi Dervish, that is a at least level four. At least. Feet. But for the four sensitive Sayugi Dervish, that is a level one as a standard action, not as a full round action. That's right, folks. We are talking level one whirlwind attack as a standard action. And you don't need melee defense. You don't need melee defense. It's incredible. You don't, it, your attributes don't matter. Dex and doesn't care. No one and, cares. And as if it couldn't get better, we have the Tempest Tossed. Oh, yeah. Talent. Prerequisite, Sayugi Cyclone. 
When you damage a target with a whirlwind attack, you can choose to move the target one square in any direction as a free action. You can't move a target that's being grabbed or grappled, and you can't move the opponent into a solid object or another creature's fighting space. This force movement does not provoke attacks of opportunity. Just, just everything about this is great. Incredible. So good. Incredible. Get yourself a... Get yourself like a... Is there anything to increase your reach that isn't like a, a two-handed like polearm weapon or anything like well, that? Well, you've got to be... Yeah, you have to have no weapons yeah. to use to use the Sugi Cyclone. Well, are there any like feats or talents that improve your reach? Definitely. Um, You could cheese it and just be large. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I didn't want to cheese it and be large. <laughs> There's got to be... Um, you could be a shard with droid extending arms and increase your reach that way. Exactly. Can you imagine the shard in the red robe with the white mask that like kicks your ass kind with like cool. Inspector Gadget esque <laughs> arms? Oh wait, I think we got something here. <laughs> doesn't seem like there's anything. Doesn't seem like there's anything, but doesn't mean there isn't. If you find something, please tell us. So yeah, can... I want to see the the best whirlwind possible. Oh, the the biggest, the best, the best Suyugi Dervisher out there. Yeah, the, the biggest reach <laughs> available. And last but not least. Repelling Whirlwind, prerequisite Tsuyugi Cyclone. You gain a plus two circumstance bonus to your reflex defense against any target hit by your Whirlwind attack until the start of your next turn. So cool. It's great. I love it. It's good. This is a good talent tree. I love the concept. Very unique. They're not, I don't, I wouldn't say that they're dark side, but they're definitely not Jedi, you know. That's so cool. I love that you can start doing your shit at level one with this. Yes. I get my special attack at level one. Level one. This is like unlocking. This is like it's like unlocking your super cool signature move in a game <laughs> at level one. For very, real. This feels very Pathfinder 2 e now that it, I talk about it. It does, right? These these four traditions are basically archetypes, right. uh, which is so good. It's amazing. It's, it's so cool. I'm sure these inspired some of the arch- oh, archetypes we know and love. Hundred percent, absolutely. Talent trees were a big leap forward for RPGs, and Pathfinder definitely took notes. I liked. I really liked your idea of of what streamlined. Uh, talent trees would look like yeah. streamlined force traditions for a second version of saga edition. And if you dear listener have any cool ideas, you can send them our way at dark times, S W S E at gmail.com. Steven, we just had American Thanksgiving here in the States. And yes. I want to hear what you're thankful for. Oh, well, Sam, you know, I actually did think on this and probably already know what I'm going to say, but um, I'm really thankful for the saga edition community. Like for real, for real. Like I mean that. Not like no, what, I know. Not not like what you tell your mom when she asks you at the Thanksgiving <laughs> table. But like, but like the the real for real. Because like bearing witness to this, you know, veritable explosion of interest in this, like we always say, old RPG from fifteen years ago. Um, it's there's nothing like it. You know what what you are doing, what what we are doing, what everyone in the community is doing is kind of this novel experience it's definitely not the first time an old rpg had a resurgence but for us it's it's unique you know there's nothing to be a part of it to be a part of it there's nothing like witnessing this participating in it watching these subreddit subscriber numbers go up watching half a dozen people join the discord every week it's um it's special it's amazing From, from the smallest like hey check this out versus like the whole hey i'm new to the system how do i get involved and stuff like that and it's just it's awesome to see. And I guess that's what I'm thankful for too, Steven. Yeah, absolutely. And even like I saw it on the subreddit too, like 
people see Andor and they're like, oh my God, how can I make my saga table more like Andor? That was so cool. Like, oh my God. And I'm the like. The whole episode about intrigue, by the way. I'm just saying. Yes. The whole book about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Galaxies of Intrigue is your, is your Andor book, 100%. That was a very intrigue filled show, I think. Um, God, man, that was. Such a good show. Such a good show. Such a good so show. raw. So fucking real. Like. Andy Serkis is probably one of his best performances since Gollum. You know, like yeah. <laughs> you forget he's Gollum. I, I, I it's hard to recognize Gollum. him when he's not being CG'd out into a different <laughs> thing, you know? And Skarsgård too. Like, yeah. Oh man. Shit, man. But yeah, um, I'm thankful for the Saga Edition community. I'm thankful for a patient and skilled producer such as yourself and Aww. PR manager too. Really. Can't wait to meet them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thankful for you, Stephen, for saying yes on a whim uh, after being shown a napkin from Chipotle. I, don't, I still don't think I ever saw the napkin. Okay, I'll, I gotta find it somewhere. <laughs> I'm gonna get it framed. It we will gotta be get framed. it framed. We have to get it framed. Uh, the the you know I think we've done a lot for this, and I I feel like every episode nowadays has like a whole little heartfelt segment in the middle of it about how how incredible this is and how uh, we don't believe this is possible. And I'm stuff still like that. I'm still heartfelt. I'm still feeling yeah. heartfelt about it. <laughs> I'll let you know when I stop. We're a few weeks away from New Year's, and then it's going to be another whole heartfelt thing about that, too. Like, old Lang Syne, guys. Yeah, for like, sure. Wow. Yeah, like, man. Like year. dust in the wind. Year like a stone being hit, hit, crashed upon by waves. Year of the dark times yet again. Year of the dark times, too. <laughs> but yeah, uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can hop on over to our Patreon. Uh, we already have like 16 of you guys on there, which is insane. Way more than I ever thought. Um, there's a couple exclusive things on the Patreon. There's a couple supplements uh, that Sam and I have made, just a little things, maps and templates to make your your GMing a little spicier. That's where the home of the Dark Times module will be one day. There's also a special edition of my Hexfrog guide up there. Thinking of revising that again. Again, <laughs> another revision. Well, I keep getting complaints about it being in miles and not kilometers. The kilometer version of the Hexfrog yeah, guide. Yeah, and I was like, well, fine, I might as well publish it. And the international release version. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I say in the book, I have a whole paragraph about like, hey, if you want to use kilometers so bad, just use kilometers. <laughs> I don't care. But then like someone sent me some like real good math about why I should use kilometers. And I'm like, well, well now I want to use kilometers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> For an abstract hex crawl guide. OK, I, get, I, I mean, I don't I didn't see the math. So I don't know why it's really important because it could just easily just be hexes, you know, and be fine with it. I promise you it isn't important, but you, you know me. <laughs> And then if you don't want to support the show monetarily, that's perfectly fine. We totally get that. You can spread the word about the show. You tell your table, tell strangers on Reddit, just listen to the show and enjoy it. That's that's probably the easiest way to do it. Did you tell any of your family members about the Dark Times podcast or yeah. Thanksgiving? Uh, my parents already knew about it. Yeah, well, so I've had... A resurgence of questions about it from my family. Interesting. Being like, what is, what is, what is the show about? What's it called? The Dark Shadow Time? Uh, what's it about? And, uh, and every, for some reason, my, so my dad listened to the Rodney Thompson interview. Yeah, cool. And I, you know, I say that's not my best work. It's a good, ep it's a good episode, Brent. They're good episodes, Brent. But the, dark, <laughs> the Rodney Thompson interview is like. Well, what? Cause you, cause you don't talk. No, it's not that I don't. I mean, oh. it's not that I don't talk. It's that it's probably the roughest thing I had to edit for a while, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it's a challenge. Most, yeah. It's not our most smooth going show. I mean, you, know? you did pretty damn good. 
But every, yeah, and everyone keeps telling me that. Oh, you know, I really liked it though, and I was like, wow, that's wild. And so I, I played some of an episode for my mom, and she was like, that's your voice, and I was like, yeah, it's a you know, you edit the voice to make it sound better. She's like, why would you edit your voice? That's the voice I gave you. <laughs> I was like, mom, wow. I was like, mom, I don't think you understand how radio works. <laughs> that's such a mom comment. Yeah, that's really so is. funny. Um, I just had a few moments like that and I, and I had like just family members texting me like, Hey, happy birthday. How was your, are, are you still working on your podcast and stuff? And I was like, okay, yeah, thank you. That's cute. Yeah, it, was, it was really cute. Oh, I just thought that was got interesting. Some, you actually got some shit to show your family that you, yeah, spend all that your I haven't been just sitting around doing nothing. I promise. I got 50 episodes of a podcast out there now, you know, like great. It's good. It's <laughs> real good. People like it. It's people, a good podcast. People goes a hundred dollars a month for it. Damn it. I think they like it. <laughs> Steven, you forgot to mention that patrons also get to vote in all of our current and future bounties. Of course. As well as if they stay to a tier for three months, they get a sticker or a T-shirt and a sticker. Correct. With uh, the holidays coming up, I think we're going to put a, a brief moratorium on bounty builds. And then maybe when January comes around, well, because we could if we could start one right now, but then be wrapping up around like New Year's. Yeah, if we started one now, we wouldn't even do the actual like exactly. poll until after December anyway. Yeah, so we'll just hold off on those for now. I know someone pointed out, or a few people pointed out, we could do like a tournament bracket style yeah. of, of like a super bounty someone, contest. Someone said, uh, I believe Star Wars September was uttered by someone. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, I, I like the idea of doing our version of March Madness in September. Definitely. So what yeah, else we, is going on in September? You got other shit going on in September? No one's got shit no going on No one's got September. shit going on. It's ripe for the taking. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, 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 we'll start. We'll, we'll do more of those bounty contests and then, or bounty showcases. And then come back around and do a super bracket because that would be so fun. I so, do love the idea of a super bracket. We need like half a dozen more. Maybe some fan art for oh, the top for like the top for 10. the winner. We commission the, some fan art. That'd be cool. Yeah, uh, like a token, an official like token to use. Yeah, that would be yeah, cool. That would be awesome. Oh, oh, like the gears keep on turning in our heads, Steven. Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad we're recording this. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I, I write this shit down, but. uh and if you have any ideas for anything like that, please feel free to send them our way. Any ideas for future bounties, anything like that, send them to our way at DarkTimesSWSE on Twitter or DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Let's get you guys. Uh, anything else, Steven? You uh, no, get I'm back good. into the show? You want a water, maybe? Oh, I'm, I'm pretty good. Thanks. Okay. Let's get back to the show then. So we've got a, we've got a very interesting submission here. Um, I think this requires a bit of... Prefacing? Prefacing. For, for for those folks out there who aren't as well-versed in the <laughs> expanded universe as you are, Stephen. So, well, I mean, yeah, I straight up don't know shit about you, Zen Vong. Like, <laughs> like, I'll be honest. I don't really know. I know they're scary. They're from a different galaxy. They are biotechnologists, and they really want to purge anyone who uses an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> they're Android users. Is yeah, what they are. <laughs> they're, they're your average Android user. It's so easy to jailbreak your phone. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> so... For the uninitiated, which I doubt there's very many listening right now, but the Yuuzhan Vong were kind of like Star Wars's like superhero apocalypse arc. Like they were an extra galactic invader that nearly brought the entire galaxy to his knees. They were just kind of wrapping up the whole Imperial Remnant thing. And then, bam, oh, shit, there's space orcs with uh, postule filled spaceships coming from a different galaxy to take our shit. Like, whoops. And um, you forget the big thing. What? Aren't they immune to force? Yes, that is true. They're completely outside of the force. Yeah. Um, they, they cannot be seen through the force. They cannot be manipulated through the force. They get around this eventually because they realize that, well, if you see a hole, if you see a Yuuzhan Vong shaped hole in the force, well, then that's probably a Yuuzhan Vong. <laughs> <laughs> 
if it looks like a hole and it sounds like a hole, it's probably a Yusan phone. Yeah. And um, so, so the, the Jedi were poorly equipped that this was kind of the peak of Luke's new Jedi order was, was brought to its knees by the Yusan Vong because the Jedi were at first pretty poorly equipped to deal with them. But I think eventually after almost a full generation of fighting these guys, they through gumption and coming together and the power of being a protagonist in a star Wars story. Yeah. They ultimately triumph. And then even by the time like legacy era rolls around, Yuz and Vong are like coarsely integrated yeah. into, into normal society. Like obviously a lot of people have problems with them because of the whole in, galaxy invading spanning. your galaxy. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. yeah that, no. that, 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 that was pretty rough. But now they just kind of live here. But yeah. <laughs> they like, they like, cause they would like terraform worlds to like yeah. grow more of their weird ships. ships and yeah. then they would like, Reterform them back, and it was it was a whole mess. Now there's a no, I don't know the publishing history. Are these before the prequels came out? The Yuuzhan Vong first appeared in Star Wars: The New Jedi Order by Del uh, by Del Rey, 1999 2003. Okay, so that is prime. Hey, prequels are out. That is you know, yeah. I mean, that is Phantom Menace. That is Attack of the Clones, and not to poke holes in the Swiss cheese that we know as Star Wars. Droids also. <laughs> Are holes in the force? Well, hey, that, that. hey, let's just let's let's just move forward a little bit here. Um, Lil Literalist reached out with a very unorthodox build, uh, a Yuuzhan Vong. Um, you can play a Yuuzhan Vong in Saga Edition. Uh, you can. There's plenty of tools in Saga Edition to give you uh, a full blown Yuuzhan Vong experience. They've never really been my cup of tea. I totally understand people who love them. I mean, they look fucking cool. But it just when I well, this kind of Star Wars stories I want to tell the Yuuzhan Vong I struggle to find a place for him. This is a Max Min build. Uh, <laughs> you heard me right, as opposed to like a Min Min Max build. build. This is the worst twentieth level character that Little Literalist could cook up, and he took the great pleasure of sharing it with us. So and he, it's for sure not twenty levels of gambler talent. For sure, it isn't. <laughs> um. Lilith List had some self-imposed guidelines. Make the worst 20th level heroic character you can. Can't take an ability more than once, even if it's specifically allowed, so no, no gambler. Can use any published material, but it must be marked for player usage. Cram as much useless stuff and anti-synergies in as possible. <laughs> Hell, I do that uh, without even trying. Unintentionally, yeah. <laughs> Can't just make a build that does some things well. Then just not do those like grabbing weapon focus and then not using that weapon has to suck equally all around. Incredible. This is incredible. 25 point by HP uses average rolls. Got some highlights here. So this is this is Nam Potes. Yes. The CL20 medium venerable male use on thong. Got no force points. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. It have no force points. Got dark side score of 13 initiative of minus 10. Perception of plus 11, but all targets have total concealment to him. <laughs> Languages, Yuzon Vong, Anzat, Chistori, <laughs> Drathus, Loikis, Yarkora, and background, Orphaned. <laughs> so he doesn't speak Galactic Standard, that's great. Um, the defense has really caught my eye here. I almost actually stopped like read, reading earlier because I was so shocked. Defenses are reflex of eight. <laughs> Literally easier to hit than a broadside of a bone. <laughs> Fortitude defense of 27 and a will of 33. Here we go. HP 33 at level 20. What? HP of 33 at level 20. HP total 33. Oh, I see why. <laughs> I see why. Ability scores strength 8, dex 3, 
Con, 3. Intelligence, 15. Wiz, 13. Charisma, 26. <laughs> if you speak his language, he's your best friend. I guess so. But <laughs> let's go back to the highlights. Yeah, let, let's pull up the highlights. We could read down this whole stat block, but probably best just to get the highlights. Uh, of course, this uh, has got a few pages here of explanation, justification, mathematics. Uh, little literalist is thorough as always. And you, dear listener, will have access to this document in the link below. The names inspired by non potest Latin for cannot. Incredibly low reflex defense. That's eight, which can be brought down to one with the use of certain feats. <laughs> Great. Incredibly low HP. Like we said, 33, no force points. Very easy to kill. A ton of his abilities either use or grant force points and are completely wasted. Not proficient with his pistol weapon, despite taking three classes, which all have it as a starting feat. Pistol can only fire every other round. It is also fully tricked out with upgrades. <laughs> He's going around with a blinding helmet on his armor. Replaces heroic level of 20 with an armor bonus of zero to reflex defense. Love it. Oh, that's how you get a reflex defense of eight on a, on a level 20 character armor. Encumbered due to the weight of his own gear. Doesn't know basic, so he can't communicate with the party or anyone else, really. Extra known languages are some of the most obscure languages from the most insular species I could find. Prism is the highest stat, but you can't take advantage of that very well if people don't understand you. Boy, do I know that well. Skills are some of the least used in the game, and he did it all without taking Gambler. <laughs> did he say that in the file? It's right here in That's the highlights. Right. Yeah, he, right, he got us beat. <laughs> he acknowledged the Gambler. Um, let me check. Can I, can I read you the level breakdown here? Please do. Noble nine, scoundrel six, scout five. <laughs> Just a fucking mess. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, I wanted to read. I want to take a look at the, what are the trained skills here? Oh yeah. Knowledge, life sciences, knowledge, physical sciences, knowledge, social sciences, knowledge, tactics, ride and swim. Where do you work out? <laughs> the library. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we got Riot in there. Fucking Riot. <laughs> but also, like, does not have an included uh, <laughs> speeder or anything in the stat block, so it's basically useless. Just incredible. Oh, and I, I do want to go over this uh, this this pistol, because it's, it's too oh, funny. Yes, we need to talk about this pistol. So it's got the Eridonian template, which makes it illegal and gives unfavorable... <laughs> <laughs> And gives unfavorable circumstances with law enforcement. It's a black powder pistol, a full round action to reload. It's damage stripped, so down to 2d3 <laughs> and range, which puts it at thrown weapon ranges, which is like six squares or some shit. This is what they killed Shinzo Abe with. <laughs> Can we say that? Yeah. Yeah, he's not a good guy. I think no, it's fine to yeah, say. Yeah, no, we can say that. We can say that. That's that's topical. It's better than my joke earlier. <laughs> it's upgraded with silver plate. <laughs> which does increase the damage reduction of the object, but does nothing besides that. Hair trigger, uh, so you can't use rapid shot. Uh, and spring loaded, which is useless without quick draw. <laughs> Got a hip holster. I do want to talk about the implants. Oh, okay. Let's let's hear it. It's got a sub. So this build has a sub electronic converter implant. Okay. Gives a minus two to will and requires extra swift action to go up the condition track. It's awful. It's awful. 
cosmetic implants, just things that look awful. A riding saddle and chain nine meters. This is enough for a heavy load to make you encumbered. <laughs> he just carries nine meters of chain with him. For penance. Yeah. And a little literalist also included some alternative build options here at the bottom that are worth going over. Consider the darter as a weapon. You, you know about the darter, right? For those who don't know, the darter is like a compressed air pistol that shoots a dart. <laughs> Amazing. It can only deliver poison or a surveillance tagger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be worse than a pistol. <laughs> it would be. So, yeah, consider the darter as a weapon, but the black powder pistol is actually less DPR because of full round reload time and half heroic level to damage that the darter could deal twice as often. <laughs> Plus, it takes advantage of the non-proficiency without needing to strip it to exotic. At second level, you could take weapon proficiency pistols instead of point-blank shot, though that would remove the prerequisite of grazing shot. Easiest prestige class to get into while still being useless is corporate <laughs> agent. Just like real life. Just like real life. <laughs> <laughs> For done it all, could use any noble talents there. Those ones use force points, so if I overlooked an obscure usage of another noble talent that I chose, those can be swept around without impacting the build order. Well, wonderful. Thank you very much, Little Literalist. This is probably the most unique uh, submission we've had to the podcast build segment, I'd have I, to say. I need to address the fact that he does have the feet strong in the force for a use on Vong that cannot oh. use force points. <laughs> I, that, ta- that force, oh, yeah, well, that feat does not require force sensitivity. As it does not, it, though, which, which is, I think is really funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just amazing. It just—I think the, rec- the only requirement for it is not a droid, right? I think so. <laughs> I think so. Which means it sounds legal to me. But <laughs> goddamn, really Stephen, you didn't even read what the attack is. Oh, sorry. Black powder pistol plus two, two d three plus ten damage. Oh my god! <laughs> this guy can't hit anything. <laughs> oh man, that's that's so rough. Wow. All right. Well, do we have, do we have a? Are we threatening my life this week? No, we're not. I, okay, all right. I, we, you know, I figured that's my Thanksgiving gift to you, Oh, Steven. wonderful. Thank you, Sam. You spend time with your family. and it's true. And, you know. Okay. Stephen, do you have any trivia for this week? I do, I do. It actually concerns the, the Yuzan Vong. Um, oh, fun. Topical. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right? The name Yuzan Vong was developed at a French Thai restaurant in New York City called Vong, which several Delray employees were patronizing. The Yunnan region was mentioned in a list of teas on a menu that Shelley Shapiro, who was present, was reading, and the first draft of the name that would eventually be given to the intergalactic invaders was born of Yunnan Vong. Wild. So wild. That's a crazy, like, can you imagine being the waiter? <laughs> I was the waiter when they figured out what to name the Yunnan Vong. We interview that guy. Do you think, like, the, the store, do you think the restaurant knows? Probably not, right? I mean, like... Someone has to know, right? Like, it's like a Star Wars like pilgrimage site now. I go to this French, this, what is it? French, French Thai. French Thai restaurant. We could go. French Thai sounds like, like spring rolls with, with like snails in them. That sounds awful. You know? Yeah, like, it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'd make them if I asked, but I don't, I don't know if they'd be happy to. Mm, uh, yummy. We've got one last thing before we go today, folks. Bashington the newest admin on like the Saga Edition Discord server, put out a survey, just collecting a little bit of information about your your habits as a Swissy player. I think like 
how long you've been playing favorite class. I, I didn't look closely at the survey. Sorry. I haven't I actually, took it already, but I, I oh, don't good. even remember what was on it. Yeah. It, it was quick, Very minor right? things. Yeah. yeah. Quick so things. we want to promote that for him because we want him to have a big old sample size for whatever. I'm not sure what his purposes are, but I'm sure they're wholesome. <laughs> yeah, the, the intent is good. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely not collecting any personal information. So yeah, we'll have that survey linked in the description below. Uh, just go ahead, slap that down. If you're a Swissy player, which I, I hope you are, if you're listening, um, just let them know, let them know. Do it. Do it for me. Do it for Steven. That, that, that can be our next teacher. And design. no one else. Do it for Steven. <laughs> the dark times, of saga edition podcast is presented by me, Sam. Steven's my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at dark times, S W S E or email us dark times, S W S E at gmail.com. Support the show on Patreon in the description. Uh, listen to us on Spotify. Review us on Spotify. Review us on Apple Podcasts. Review us wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend about the show and tell us you told a friend about the show to be shout out on the show. Steven, do you have any uh, quote for us this week? Remember this. Freedom is a pure idea. It occurs spontaneously and without instruction. Random acts of insurrection are occurring constantly throughout the galaxy. There are whole armies, battalions that have no idea They've already enlisted in the cause. That's from the the kid who dies. Yeah, that's from uh, <laughs> an Andor. That's, uh, not Melshi. Uh, Nemec. Nemec. Yeah. yeah, Nemec's manifesto. Very cool. Writes manifesto. Dies anyway. <laughs> Yo. Okay. So the part when he gets like crunched. So. It was so visceral hearing the sound and then the look on his face. Like, like he knows he's going to die. Like, you know, he's been like deathly injured. And then they, they use that clip again in like the next four recaps (laughs) to show you him. Yeah. And it's like, I hate watching him get crunched every episode of Andor, but they replay it every time. And it's like, it was a well-directed sequence. It was genuinely terrifying, but good God, I felt bad. It was, yeah. Oh my God. What a good show. Yeah. What a good show. Amazing show. Just, just 10 out of 10. I have, can I have my, my Andor quote of the week? Yeah, sure. There comes a time when the risk of doing nothing becomes the greatest risk of all. Dear old Karn. Isn't that incredible. Interesting coming out of his mouth. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Though I always think about like what Andor was to Cyril, you know, like. He never even saw the guy. No, never. Andor, he only saw a 10 year old picture of him, you know. Andor put a gun to his head. Like nearly killed him and like blew up half of his <laughs> of his squad mates. Like Andor's a monster to Cyril, which is why I love the show so much because it's like the perspectives of like eight different human beings on a, on a, on an insurrection, like a genuine act of of violence against the state. Good night, everybody. Yay! What was I, I don't know if his last episode was the one before, but we talked about a show for a long time after. We did. It was fun. I very much enjoyed it. And anyway, it was the Tales of the Jedi where we were talking about yes. Count Dooku the whole, for like fucking yeah. five minutes. <laughs>
Thank you, Sam. Thank you. The part of the show where we thank everyone. Part of the show where I thank Steven. And I thank Sam, but most- This guy looks fucking badass. Yeah, right? (laughs) He's got a gun? Yeah. I don't know where the gun came from, but- This guy looks like he's like a Spider-Man villain. I fucking love him. Oh my God, you're right. He does. The collar. The mask. Everything about this is incredible. This is like not what I envisioned for a Yugi Dervish, but it's like, it's close. This shit come. This shit straight up like infamous, you know. It, like, it that's is. What they look like. It is. You look. You run into these guys in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> this is just the average guy at that place in Seattle. Like. Average Portland enjoyer. <laughs> Portland enjoyer.